I'm Anne-Marie McMahill with the Center for Health and Safety Culture at Montana State University, and this is the ParentingMontana.org podcast. In this podcast, we'll be learning about intentional ways to grow a healthy parenting relationship. A healthy parenting relationship is the foundation for everything. All learning starts in relationships. So what does that mean? It means that as a parent or someone in a parenting role, we've got a plan. We can choose to be purposeful and deliberate in the ways we parent to create a foundation for our child's success. We can choose to be involved, to be consistent and predictable, provide opportunities and engage in intentional communication. So today I'd like to introduce you to our guest on our podcast. I have Dr. Shannon Wanless, an applied developmental psychologist and director for the Office of Child Development at the University of Pittsburgh School of Education. So hi, Shannon. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Oh, good. I'll just say you started your career as a Head Start teacher, and you spent the first year as a parent living in Taiwan as a Fulbright scholar. You have two kiddos, 11 and 13, and you make your home in Pittsburgh. Is that right? That's right. All right, perfect. Well, today we're so excited to have you. We're going to talk about intentional ways to grow a healthy parenting relationship. So just to start off, can you talk to us about why that's important? A healthy parenting relationship is the foundation for everything. And in fact, you mentioned that I was um, began parenting living in Taiwan, and I've done lots of work across cultures and around the world. And I can say it is the most universal thing there is about parenting is that that relationship piece is so important for everyone. It's important for the parents and for the children. So all learning starts in relationships and your child is turning to you for learning. And so when they're very young and you make that strong relationship with them, they learn that adults and people in their lives can be trusted and they learn what it's like to trust someone. And then they really free up their mind to be able to learn and grow and engage together. So you're really just teaching them what it looks like to connect with others. And then they'll be able to go out in the world and do it for the rest of their lives. So what I'm hearing you say is that relationships, as we're, as parents, relationships are that foundational piece to everything, our kids' well-being, their development, even in the future, their academic achievement. Is that right? That's right. It's important for them to be able to learn from you. So if you're having a healthy relationship with your child, then it frees them up to be able to engage with you and learn with you. But it also sets the stage for them learning from their teachers in the future and other people because they've practiced having that trusting relationship with you. So they'll be able to then apply it to other people for the rest of their lives. So as my children grow up, um, I have to remind myself often that through the issues that we face, that relationship is a priority. So here's a question that I have when I'm, I'm thinking about my kids. You know, I have to stop and reflect that I need a relationship where I can tell my daughter, like if something's wrong and then be able to sort of walk through what's going on, or I need a relationship to share our hopes and dreams or for me to come to them with concerns and for them to come back to me with questions and it's not just um, respect, but also love and also just a, re a relationship that can be lighthearted and fun. But what I've often heard at times is that 
um, a parent shouldn't be your child's friend. And so is that different? And, and just what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's absolutely different. So you're caring about your child, of course, maybe the way a good friend would, but the, your child is turning to you for some guidance and structure. And even if it doesn't sound like they're asking for that, that is really what they're looking for is a model or an example of someone that they can trust to pave the way of what it's, what, what's your family believe is the important way to be in this world. And so they're not turning to their friends for that. They're turning to their friends to um, have fun together, to experience relationships together. But but that friend could come and go, right? Even if they think they'll never go, they could come and go. Your parent is someone who's steady, predictable, there for you. And even in those moments when um, it doesn't feel like they want you around, <laughs> You're still hovering around in the background, figuring out how to do some dirty dishes or fold the laundry three times in a row just so you can be in that space and be available even when you're not getting the most inviting signals from them. So that, that's really different than what a friend would be doing for them. So as a parent, it sounds like there's some just some steps that we can look at, like just how do how do we do this? How to how to have a healthy parenting relationship. So what, what's the first thing that you would say with, you know, how do we do this? Well, I would say spending time with your child is, is really important and it's good time with your child. So that doesn't mean um, on your cell phone, even though I am guilty of that sometimes, as many of us are, really means figuring out how to be present and how to be engaged in the things that um, will bring you and your child some connection and joy together. So that, that could be doing household chores. It doesn't have to be fun all the time, but it's really being present and involved and connected uh, with them. And, you know, when they're little, they come after you often looking for you to be involved. And so you don't have to work that hard to be, to be um, interacting with them, but you do have to work hard, I think, sometimes to be present in the things that are important to them. So as my son's growing up, he's definitely more interested in hanging out with his friends and less, less and less opportunities for me um, to be involved with him. So what does that look like for someone in a parenting role with a teen? Well, I have to say my children are getting there, so I've been noticing this and thinking about this lot too. And, you know, right now parents are home with their kids more than ever. And I think the, um, the feeling that if your children are young, you need to be with them, you need to help them with their homework, you need to help manage their day. But then that, that feeling goes away as they get older is really not true. In fact, uh, you know, they can manage some tasks on their own, but it, there's such an art to hovering in the background <laughs> that I feel. I'm developing. I don't know if you feel this, but it also takes longer, sometimes more time to connect sometimes because it's not always the right moment to connect. And so you do have to sort of gracefully be around and available and peeking in and checking in. But if they're talking with friends um, over, um, you know, the internet or if they're doing homework or if they're frustrated, it's something that just happened at school. They may not be open and available, but you have to then circle back and circle back until it is the right time. So you catch that present and engaged moment. 
it, it's um it's a funny skill it's a little bit stealth <laughs> i think no that's good um you mentioned too just the earlier about the idea of being consistent and predictable and that makes a lot of sense but i struggle here a bit too so for example as a mom on one day i can be really patient and respond to my daughter and the next day i just don't have the same level of patience for the same situation and i know that being predictable on how i respond has a really calming effect on her but how do i handle when there's things going on in my life that interfere with my parenting and and how i respond to her without always feeling like i've failed well actually even though consistent and predictable are important if you acted the same exact way every day all the time you'd be like a robot so none of us are exactly the same and so when your stress levels go up and down and your busyness in your life and other things are happening that's actually such a great moment to be honest and authentic with your child. You know, maybe it's something you feel like you can share with them and maybe not, but you can always share mom feels stressed right now. You know, I feel really stressed. And so even though it was okay to play the music loud yesterday, I'm just a little bit worked up and I feel like it's not a good time for me. So today I'd feel better if we just kept the volume down and that isn't being inconsistent because if you're always being authentic and acknowledging, I feel different, the moment's different, I know I said something yesterday that's not today, it's being hum human uh, with them. And actually, they're going to feel different every day. And so the models for them, what do they do when a friend wanted to do something yesterday that was okay, but it's really not okay for them right now because they have to study for a test. So I think the consistency is authenticity and not flying off the handle and screaming about something, but just being um, honest. I think too, if they know that, if, if my daughter knows that I'm being honest and she knows I'm going to have bad days sometimes, um, I think I could see where that could create just... Um, and a level playing field, I think, sometimes for us. So another question I have is um, on the parentingmontana.org um, tools and resources, I read where providing guidelines um, for your child can help them find their own way. And so I, I know that providing guidelines vary based on the age of my child, but what does that look like for our, our younger kids, like zero to four? So what advice can you give parents of this age? Well, when they're young, um, they really do eat up opportunities to explore their independence. I mean, even, you know, one and a half, two, they're trying to figure out the world. And so a chance to do something on their own, they can really relish, but you don't want them to do just anything. And so starting out with choices is always the best. Now, the problem I see people run into is they know which choice they want the child to pick. So you can brush your teeth or you can just go to bed. Well, you don't really feel that way, right? You know they need to brush their teeth before they go to bed. So the art of giving choices takes a little practice, but it's about being genuinely okay with either one that they're going to pick. So you could have milk for water or water for dinner, either one. Um, either one is fine. And, you know, also them feeling like they really can choose either one. So when you feel that way inside, that 
whatever you do within this set of guidelines is okay, they will feel like you genuinely trust them and you're genuinely giving them some independence. And that sets the stage for when they're a teenager and you need to be able to show them you genuinely trust them to stay out all the way until their curfew. So that, I mean, the choices can be scary though for a parent because what if I offer two choices and they want something different? I mean, you know, you can have water or milk and what if they say, but I, I want soda, then what? If it's really something that's not okay, then you need to say, nope, soda is not okay. And, and especially as they get old enough to understand you, you can say, nope, that's not one of the choices that has too much sugar for me. I'm going to pick the other two. It's only okay to have water or milk. But if they do pick something else that's okay, I think negotiating and being open to discussing that is not a sign of weakness. <laughs> yeah. Um, sign of being reasonable and showing your child that you take their ideas seriously. So it really is about empowering them by teaching them to make decisions, which I think is great, and finding the balance of guiding them but not controlling them. That can be challenging for parents. Um, another thing that I think I struggle with is allowing them to make mistakes that I see are coming. Sometimes that can be tough and still giving them the you know, the ability to make their own, their own choices. Any thoughts on that? Well, it's definitely um, something to think about. Is this mistake a big problem or a little problem? <laughs> so um, when they, you know, fill out all the blocks or all those tiny puzzle pieces all over the floor, you know that's going to be a disaster to pick up. And it's going to take a long time, and they're probably going to end up crying that they don't want to pick it up with you, right? But it's not really the end of the world. It's probably, if you if you have time to deal with it in that moment and, you know, the patience to work together to get it cleaned up and show that, you know, this wasn't easy, maybe it wasn't the best way to do it but we got through it, then that's a lesson. That's a mistake you want to make because they learn from it and then they'll think about that in the future when they're getting out the puzzles. But if it's something that's not safe or you know is really not okay, then those are definitely ones to stop before they happen. So the when you're building a this healthy parenting relationship, it seems like communication and being able to intentionally communicate is really important. What are the what are the steps or the the tips that you can give us as parents to practice that intentional communication? Well, I would say that um, listening is overlooked of how important that one is. Listening is really um, a big deal. And kids often, young kids talk a lot <laughs> sometimes. And so it's easy to kind of tune out all of that um, chatter in the background. But they are dying to be taken seriously. They really want to be heard and taken seriously. And so when you are genuinely listening to them, they feel that you build trust in your relationship. I mean, it, when you think about any adult relationship with you that you have, someone that listens to you and you really listen to, that's someone that you know cares about you. That's someone you enjoy connecting with. And so part of listening um, is building in pauses when you're talking so there is space for them to talk. <laughs> so I, I often 
um, will hear parents at a playground or something ask so many questions in a row looking for the child's answer, but then they don't wait long enough for the answer to come. So I remember when I was a Head Start teacher years ago um, with the infants and toddlers, we were taught to talk, say something, and then wait. And then offer an answer if one's needed and wait. And then respond again and wait. And they just kept emphasizing that wait time so that it truly is a conversation, even if your child needs a minute to formulate their thoughts to jump in. I read that um, that lecturing and giving advice are sort of that like one way of approach to communication and don't really align with the idea of intentional communication. So I have a just a question. I remember, you know, watching my daughter um, play with a friend and have a disagreement. And I felt like I really wanted to step in and offer suggestions right there about ways she could have dealt with the situation differently. A am I not supposed to do that? Like, is that advice giving or what, what thoughts do you have there? Well, it's a hard one. I mean, if you think about yourself, any of us, right, when we go to someone, so when I come home at the end of a day to, uh, from work and I say to my husband, you won't believe what so-and-so did, if he jumps into advice mode, it sounds like you, uh, you jump too quickly to invite someone else to the meeting and that's why she's upset. I don't want to hear that. What I want to hear is him saying, oh, that sounds terrible, <laughs> right? And I think, you know, figuring out when you are in the I'm here to listen and connect and offer empathy and really hear your perspective, that is one mode versus I'm here to give you advice and teach you a skill mode. And any of us are not very good at learning when our emotions are high. So when you come home and you're so upset from something that happened at school, it's really not the moment to learn a new skill. So, you know, that could be the moment to connect, to say, I hear you, that sounds terrible. And then maybe you follow up after dinner or a little bit later with a story or an idea or something that could be a little more advice giving and guidance when the emotions have calmed down a bit. So I think I'm hearing you say that just trying to understand the point of view, even in the moment, um, is important. And that reminded me of a question I'm recently facing with my daughter is I, you know, trying to understand her point of view at times, but sometimes her point of view is just so different than what I have. And that can really challenge me. So, and this is a, a weird example, but, you know, in, in my house, we're having this issue right now um, about food. And so my daughter is um, 12. And so she's recently become more comfortable being a vegetarian and the rest of us aren't. And so trying to, you know, understand her point of view when it's not necessarily one that the rest of us share, like any advice on that, just to try to keep that I keep coming back. It's all about the relationship, but um, sometimes I just, I don't get it or it's not how I would see things. So any thoughts there? <laughs> oh, good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> well, my daughter's in a similar situation, so I hear you and 
But, you know, I think for many, for many moments with children, no matter how old they are, you have an idea of what happened or if they're right or wrong in your head, even if you didn't see the moment. So I'm thinking, because you mentioned food of, um, you know, your child asking you for another cookie and you're saying to them, didn't you just have one after school? But you, you can't remember if they had one. And they say, no, I didn't have one. So in that moment, you have to decide. You're not sure. You think she just wants another cookie. But you, you don't really have any information that she's lying, right? And so it, there are a million moments I find in my parenting that are like that, where you don't really know, and you can side with your child and just assume, unless you have factual information to the contrary, I'm going to always assume that my daughter has thought this through, that she's telling me the truth, and we're going to work on that assumption until I know otherwise. And so like being a vegetarian, right, I'm going to assume that she's really thought about this, and this is what she wants to go with, and I don't have to go with it myself. But um, until I hear otherwise that it's not healthy or not working for her, I'm going to give her the benefit of the, of the doubt that this is a good idea for her. Oh, that can be difficult sometimes. Um, that, that I hear what you're saying. <laughs> so um, another, just looking at intentional parenting is this, I've heard a lot about um, safe, stable, and nurturing parenting relationships. So can you can you just tell me more what that means and um, and how that builds on sort of a, a lifetime of success with your relationship with your child? Well, I think it's all summed up in the word trust. You know, can your child really trust you? And so you just said safe, stable, and nurturing relationship. You know, safe is, is, we always think of physical safety, but it's emotional safety too. And so you feel like you are physically and emotionally safe when you are with people you can trust. So even when I'm doing something that feels scary to me, like um, rock climbing or something that I've never done before, if I am with a friend or my partner who has done this many times and says, I promise you, I've looked into this, I've checked the safety equipment, I know we're going to be okay, then I feel, I feel okay because I trust that person. I have a history of trust with that person. And so then I feel so much safer, even if the situation is making me nervous. So that's what you're doing with your child every single day. You're building up, even in these moments, like the first day of when they're not sure if they're safe or not, they've turned to you already a million times in their life and said, is it okay? And if it proves to be okay when you said it was, then they know this will be okay too, that your, your voice is worth trusting. And I think the stability is the same thing. It doesn't mean, you know, that you never go on a trip away from your child or you never step away for nights uh, with friends or family away from your child. It just means that you are consistent and they know you will always come back and your word is always, um, is worth what you're saying, that it's always trustworthy. So that, that kind of um, 
nurturing. This person loves me and I know they will take care of me and tell me the truth is, is priceless and sets such a strong foundation for your whole life together. And how beautiful to feel that a person feels that way about you as well. So knowing that like no relationship is perfect, what advice would you give to a parent that feels their bond with their child is strained already or they, yeah, that maybe they, they don't have that, that strength to their relationship right now? I think it can always be repaired can always be repaired. And uh, if you think about it as a, a friend or someone in your life that you feel like something that upset you um, and lost your trust for a moment, was there ever an example in your life of someone you were able to rebuild that connection with? It's not easy. If uh, someone can't trust you, you're going to have to really do a lot of work to build that back. But the work is constantly being honest and coming back and showing that that your word can be trusted over and over and over again as often as needed until your child begins to leave that and have faith in your relationship again. That's a scary, the just this depth of like relationship with your child can, I think can be scary for a parent. Um, and, a, you know, I didn't have this type of a relationship with my parents growing up. My parents were definitely more of an um, authoritative figure, authoritarian figure in my in my life, and we, you know, we talked when we needed to talk about things. But there wasn't this um, this warmth that I'm hearing you discuss. And so, how, you know, how would you give advice to a parent that maybe didn't feel as comfortable? engaging in this level. I mean, I hear what you're saying is, you know, this is how we all should treat each other as humans and, you know, listen and be heard and be warm and responsive. But, you know, for a parent that didn't grow up that way, any thoughts there? I actually think for many um, people, it's a shift from their family that they grew up in to the parent that they hope to be. And you know, I don't want to minimize the work that goes into it, but I honestly think um, once you embrace it, being honest is easier. And so I think of times that um, my father just exploded yelling about something and I don't want to be that explosion yelling with my child. I think many times that was because he was afraid of what could happen or what didn't know what to say. And I find in those moments, I often say to my child, I am so, so mad that I don't even know what to say. I just need a little bit of time and we can talk about it later. And so it's not like I don't feel the anger. Um, but I think when it, it's really freeing to just be honest with them and just say, I, I am so mad. I feel like I'm just going to scream and that's not the way I want to parent. So I need a little time in another room before we talk about it. And, and that is genuinely what is happening inside me in that moment. Um, I, I think some practice of, of being honest and after you scream, it's okay to come back later and say, in an honest voice, I really shouldn't have screamed <laughs> or I wish I hadn't. Or um, I'd like to talk now without screaming. It is all about building skills, though. I mean, building skills in myself as a 
person and as a parent and then in turn helping my child have those skills as well. So the key takeaway I think that I've heard from today is that um, parents can make a choice to be purposeful and deliberate in, in how we create a foundation for our child. And we can do that by being involved and consistent and predictable, um, provide opportunities and engage in intentional communication. And I just thank you so much for being with us today and just being able to chat through um, some of the questions I know that parents here in Montana have. Um, so I thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you for inviting me. This was a joy. And for more information on intentional ways to grow a healthy parenting relationship, you can check out the how-to video of the same name in the media section of parentingmontana.org and additional information in the I Wanna Know More section of the website. So thanks for joining us today. Keep checking back for additional podcast tools and resources being added to parentingmontana.org. The parentingmontana.org podcast is produced by the Center for Health and Safety Culture at Montana State University in collaboration with the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services and is brought to you by the Offices of Child Care, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration, and Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services. The host for this episode was Anne-Marie McMahill. The guest for this episode was Dr. Shannon Wanless. Production support for this podcast was provided by Jamie Arpin, Katie Dively, Dr. Carrie Finley, Karen G, Kelly Green, Anne-Marie McMahill, Jay Otto, and Dr. Nick Ward from the Center for Health and Safety Culture at Montana State University. The ParentingMontana.org podcast is engineered by Preston Randolph and Tristan Acton from Cactus Pro Films. Special thanks to Jennifer Miller from Confident Parents, Confident Kids, and Shannon Wanless from the University of Pittsburgh Office of Child Development. Our theme music is Reasons to Hope from Reed Mathis. Thanks for listening to the ParentingMontana.org podcast.